temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning. Hope you had a good Christmas. We are joined by Michael Welch. He is a partner and a CPA at Pew, Chick, Leibowitz and Bazard in Vernon. Final few days of 2021, but there's still time to do some tax planning, and that is what he is here to talk with us about this morning. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? Are you working overtime this final week of the year to to make changes for your clients, or are you getting bombarded with calls, or are people pretty much set for the end of the year and into 2022? So we are wrapping up at this point. You know, we have been planning pretty hard probably since about mid-October, kind of taking a look at our clients' different tax needs and trying to figure out what the best strategies. You know, I will tell you that the single most difficult thing about 2021 is there's a still a potential tax bill that's floating around the Senate floor. And at this point, it has not been passed. It looks like it's not going to be passed by the end of the year. But, but that that raised a whole lot of alarms with a lot of clients because, you know, for higher income people making more than $400,000, there were some substantial increases that were going to take place in 2022. So, you know, a lot of people were nervous and looking at this pretty early this year because of it. But in the, in the last few days, it seems like the likelihood of it passing in 2021 is very slim. So as a CPA, how do you deal with that uncertainty? How do you counsel clients? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, I think, you know, when I, when I look at tax planning, I look at it over a multi-year period and, you know, kind of look at the facts and circumstances of the individual person and try to smooth the income as much as I can over a longer period with the idea of paying less overall taxes, you know, and certainly as we're faced with, you know, these potential tax increases, it definitely prompted certain people to maybe do some gifting or to maybe, you know, frankly, there were some, a lot of people trying to sell their businesses because they were concerned about what this, you know, the new tax and new capital gains laws could look like. You know, at the end of the day, it looks like it's all for naught, you know, but I think, you know, when you look at how much money has been spent during this pandemic, it's hard to believe the tax rates long term are not going to go up to have to pay for all this stimulus that was injected into the economy. So in the final days of the year, what sort of moves can people still make to 
be in a better position for tax time and for 2022 and beyond? Sure. You know, I think as the, as the year has ended up, you know, it looks like we're going back to our basic type of year-end planning, which, you know, we take a look at, you know, tax brackets and try to manage them to the best we can. You know, each bracket has a varying level of income. And, you know, if you're in the earlier parts of that bracket, it may be smart to accelerate some income to be able to pay at a lower tax rate. Um, the same thing on, you know, the deduction side. You know, many, many people have been moved over to the standard deduction, but, you know, certain times, especially with charitable planning, people can essentially bunch deductions into one year to be able to get over that threshold and then be able to itemize versus taking the standard deduction. And when you look at that over a multi-year period, it generally leads to lower taxes. You know, I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but the current, you know, standard deduction for a single person is 12550 and for a married is $25,000. You know, so especially with the married taxpayers, that's the harder one because they can only deduct 10,000 of state and local taxes under the current rule. And so those people either have to have mortgages or large charitable contributions to be able to itemize, otherwise they're stuck in the standard deduction. Um, you know, one, one new tax provision for 2021 is even if you take the standard deduction, you can claim a $300 if you're single, $600 if you're married, filing joint deduction for charitable contributions in addition to the standard deduction. So that's been very popular with taxpayers. And, you know, I think, you know, it helps the charities at the same time and, and it reduces your overall taxes. Another topic you mentioned was gain loss harvesting. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons that state coffers are doing so well? You know, it could be, it absolutely could be one of the reasons. I mean, we have, you know, as a, as a firm, we see a lot of individuals and, in, you know, with the way the stock market has really moved up, we're seeing some pretty large income being reported by, by some of our clients. And, you know, so what gain, long, gain loss harvesting looks at is, you know, you, you recognize the gain if you have, if you're looking to manage your tax brackets and accelerate some more income, uh, you might look to recognize gains if you have losses that you could basically diversify your position and not pay any taxes. And then you look to possibly take losses if you've already booked capital gains and you're looking to reduce how much taxes you're going to pay. You know, one of the big things of this potential bill was for higher income people, it was going to potentially raise the capital gains rates quite substantially. But again, that actually fell out in the last in the, in the last revisions of the bill. So that didn't actually happen. Uh, but a lot of people were very concerned about that because they could have, you know, they could have faced 37% or 39.6% capital gains rates, which, you know, we haven't seen in my entire career. Now, another topic is IRA contributions. Yeah. Folks have, if they have, say, a Roth IRA, they have a little beyond the end of the year to, to make contributions for 2021, correct? That is correct. So that applies to both Roth IRAs and regular IRAs. In both cases, you actually have until April 15th of 2022 to make a contribution that applies back to 2021. And for 2021, the figure is $6,000 with an additional $1,000 if you're over 50. 
Now, you know, this the regular and the Roth IRAs are subject to certain requirements like earned income and income limits, but but that's certainly something that could be done post year end to reduce your tax exposure. Uh, the same thing applies to health savings accounts. You know, people can make a contribution to a qualified health savings account until April 15th of 2022 and count back to 2021, uh, if that makes sense. And, and, and those limits are 3,600 for individuals, 7,200 for families, plus an additional $1,000 for each, um, each person who's over, each couple in the marriage is over $1,000, or excuse me, over 55 years old. You talked about the potential for higher federal tax rates in the future, given the amount of money the federal government is spending. Is a Roth IRA a, a good vehicle to help reduce that a little for folks looking to save for retirement? You know, I, I'm a big fan of Roth IRAs. You know, Roth IRAs, you know, there, there are two things. Number one, you know, putting money into the Roth IRA effectively takes that income and the future gains under the current rules outside of taxation. So the future growth and everything's all escapes taxation. The other thing people have considered doing, which this is a much harder sell, is converting traditional or 401k plans into Roths. And you know, some people have expressed interest in doing that. I think the problem with doing that is you're predicting what the future taxes are going to be. And you know, it's just, it's just, it's very difficult to predict that. I think in the right circumstance with somebody who knows they're never going to need that money, you know, that may make sense, but you certainly have to do projections to figure out how much that's going to cost. And, you know, our tax code is extremely complex and doing a conversion like that could trigger additional taxes that you are not expecting. And if somebody is of Medicare age, it could it could end up increasing Medicare premiums as well. So it's just something you got to be really careful about and really model it correctly to figure out what the total impact is going to be. Talk to me about withholding and making sure that your estimates are correct so you're having the correct amount of money taken out of your paycheck so you don't get hit with a big tax bill come the end of the year. Right, right, exactly. So, so under the current rules, you're required to pay the uh, it's the lesser of ninety percent of the current year tax, or a hundred to one hundred and ten percent of the prior year tax, depending on your income bracket. And so, basically, what we do in this case is we sort of look at where we project someone's tax liability to fall and determine whether or not we're within those parameters. And to the extent we're not, and the extent that you can change withholding if you have a final paycheck still remaining in 2021, you know, that's a great idea. Um, the other thing you can do on that final paycheck in 2021 is maybe increase 401k contributions if you have not maxed out. Um, but to the extent that you haven't done that, you can then, by January 15th of 2022, make an estimated tax payment to, to, to make up that deficiency. And while that may not eliminate penalties, it will certainly stop them at that point. So you won't incur additional penalties going forward. So that's always a good idea if we, if we see, see someone who is way under withheld. Talk to me about the differences in planning for someone who gets most of their income from, say, a, a job that 
issues a W-2 versus someone who has to report their earnings quarterly? Yeah, I mean, it, that's it's really probably night and day. <laughs> you know, with somebody who uh, reports all their earnings from a job, it's really the W-2 really defines where things are going to be. And there's very little things that that somebody can do outside of, you know, 401k or health savings account to reduce that liability. You know, whereas somebody who may pay estimated tax payments, that may be because they're self-employed or because they have a lot of investment income. Those people have far more flexibility in managing their income to over, over a period of time to you know, possibly reduce taxes. We are talking to Michael Welch. He is a CPA and a partner at Pew, Chick, Leibowitz, and Bazard in Vernon. As we enter the new year, I know you were preparing for possible major changes that don't seem to be materializing by the end of 2021. Are there any changes that have been approved that are going to be taking effect in the new year that people need to be aware of? Um, I think the only thing that you really need to look at is, you know, there are um, increases in certain on certain benefits. For instance, 401k, 401ks have been increased to 20,500 from 19,500. So if you're an employee, it's a good time to kind of look at your payroll and maybe make your elections for 2022 to make sure you maximize to the extent that you can. Um, other than that, you know, I think the provisions that have mostly been passed really relate more to businesses. You know, to my to my thought, most of the individual provisions are are basically the same as in the past. Now, taking out your crystal ball, uh, there's been a lot of consternation in Connecticut specifically uh, about the salt cap because of the, the state's high income earners. Do you see the situation changing in the future? That is a very, very difficult question. <laughs> um, you know, again, Connecticut actually has done a very good job for for owners of pass-through businesses where we there is a workaround that's been condoned by the IRS um, that Connecticut businesses pay something called a pass-through entity tax. And so people like me, you know, as a partner in a partnership, you know, we are able to effectively deduct our state and local taxes because of because of that provision. Employees right now are the ones really who can't do that. Um, do I think it's going to increase? You know, everything that I'm hearing right now is that was one of the topics that they were really having a hard time with. Um, but it seems like now Senator Manchin, who's the, the biggest opposer of the current bill, seems to be focusing on the child tax credit. And I haven't heard as much about the state and local tax deduction, but my guess is it does not increase to the amount that they're projecting, which was supposed to be $80,000. Also, I'm, I'm interested if you have heard anything about possible changes to retirement rules. Is there a chance that people who have socked away all this money and say a, a Roth are going to have the rules changed on them down the road? You know, I've heard that for a long time, and I don't think that's currently going to happen. You know, the one thing that they have talked about is people with extremely large uh, retirement accounts, and that means over $10 million. 
there is some there's this there is definitely discussion about requiring them to take larger distributions to bring those balances under 10 million but that affects so few people you know this you know i don't on a widespread scale i don't really see that going to happen now as people start to plan for doing their taxes in 2022 for 2021 how how should they go about that? What what things do they need to assemble? And if they're they're working with a a, a tax professional or a CPA, what sort of documents do you like to see? So we like to see what I refer to as the source documents. You know, all of the IRS type forms that are submitted, like a W two, you know, a ten ninety nine from Social Security, a ten ninety nine from a brokerage account. Um, a new one for um, 2020, um, 2021 is anybody who received any advanced uh, child tax credit, there's supposed to be a new form circulated that will tell us how much advanced child credit was uh, given to the taxpayer and or spouse. Um, another form that we need to see this year is anybody who received any of the advanced rebate credits that were paid earlier in the year. Um, you know, earlier in the year, that was the third round of stimulus that flowed into 2021. You know, some people, it, there, there is a form that will indicate how much they received. You know, that, that has been the biggest challenge is trying to reconcile all these advanced credits over the last couple of years that have been issued because that that's where, you know, you're trying to reconcile into the IRS records. And if there's an issue, it seems to be delaying refunds. The better you have that tied up beforehand, the better off you're going to be. Is there a general rule of thumb how long I should keep tax documents? Yeah, the general rule of thumb we say is seven years. You know, um, tax returns, assuming you file on time on April 15th of 2022, that year is open for three years from the date of uh, the date that it was due on April 15th of 2022. Um, We say seven years because that provide some extra cushion in the events in the in, in the event that there was some kind of challenge. Um, but but that's that's beyond seven years, it's unnecessary. Speaking of deductions, I'm suspecting a lot of people might be interested in trying to to claim a, a home office given how many people are are working remotely. What are the rules and pitfalls regarding that? Yeah, so that kind of goes back to your earlier question about employee versus you know, versus self-employed, you know, for employees, home office is no longer eligible. Um, so that's unfortunate. That that was one of the changes that were made a couple of years ago. Um, for self-employed people, certainly they can take a home office. That, that that's certainly legitimate in the right circumstances. Um, there are there are some pitfalls to there as well. It, there's a convenience of employer kind of uh, test that comes into into being here, um, but generally. It's not, ter- you know, generally self-employed people have the ability to, to do that. As someone who works with both the federal and state tax agencies and, you know, your, your front line, really, what, what sort of critiques do you have? How can the agencies do a better job of making it a smooth process for people to, to pay their taxes? Yeah, see... I may be sympathetic towards the towards the IRS and the state of Connecticut. I think they're under enormous strain and stress. And, you know, truthfully, I think 
more funding needs to be provided to be able to, especially at the federal level, to be able to keep up with all the changes. You know, the IRS was thrown in the front, in the thick of this in, in during the pandemic with trying to get out advanced credits and all types of things. And they just don't have the personnel or the capacity within the phone systems or anything to be able to handle the amount of calls and just on, onslaught of all the information, all the other requests that were coming in. You know, we're, we're seeing that the IRS is doing better now, but during, during the middle of the pandemic, it was taking us near close to about a year to deal with the IRS on any specific issue. It's much quicker today, but, but it, was, it was really, really delayed and bad. And, and the other thing I've been told by both the IRS and DRS is to the extent that you can make payments electronically, it's much better. It's just the less, the less you have to send paper and the more you do things electronically, the smoother things are going to go. If someone is listening to this and saying to themselves, well, in the past, I've, I've done my own taxes, I've, I've done it electronically, and it was fairly easy, but this year my situation is more complicated. What are the signs that you need to hire a professional? You know, to me, the signs are obviously when it's, you know, if, when it starts becoming more and more documents, more and more um, schedules of the, return, of the tax return. You know, if it's a simple W-2 or, you know, one or two statements, it's not terribly complex. And in the, in the, in the softwares you can buy at the local stores, that, that's perfectly content. It's perfectly fine. To the extent that you start becoming self-employed or you have many much more complicated investments or, you know, just more things happening, more states involved, other things like that. That's that's when I think it it's beneficial to, to hire a professional to help with that because you know it gets much more complicated. There's been talk for years of simplifying the tax code, though it seems it's been going in the other direction. Do you see any wholesale effort to make things uh, easier to to comprehend? Yeah, I unfortunately don't think so. <laughs> I think I think I think I think politics is always going to find its way into it, and Washington seems to. Uh, find ways to make this as complicated as they can. As a CPA, what's the number one question you get from, from people about their taxes? <laughs> can I pay less? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting point. Talk to me about the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion, because one is illegal and one is not. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mean, Right. So, so tax avoidance might be, you know, contributing more to a retirement plan, contributing more to a health savings account, you know, whereas tax avoidance is not reporting income. You know, the, the you know, the, the, you know, the former is perfectly legal and all you're doing is deferring taxes and the latter is illegal. <laughs> is the line always black and white or are there gray areas? Of course, there's always going to be gray areas, but that that really gets into be more with businesses, you know, with, you know, certain deductions that may be or permitted or not permitted. But I think on a standard standard tax return, there's very little gray area. Strangest tax question you've received? You know, I, I, I 
that that's a tough question. Not one I and I actually uh, I can't think right now off the top of my head, but I certainly have had doozies over my career. Okay, so no one wanting to you know claim their dog as a work expense or something like that, or an employee. No, or... I've definitely I've definitely had work. I've definitely had dogs and cats as medical expenses and the as a, yeah things like that. Yeah, that that certainly has come up. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I I always sort of think to myself if if you think something is a great idea you're probably not the first person to have it. By the way, and you can't do that, can you? Claim a pet as a medical expense? Yeah, I don't believe you can. <laughs> there might be cases maybe in the seeing eye dog or things like that, but I, I, a regular pet, I don't believe you can. Okay. He is Michael Welch, a CPA and a partner at Pew, Chick, Leibowitz, and Bazard in Vernon. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and all the best to you in 2022. All right. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.